Amen. Good evening, conference family. Um, during this quarantine, a lot of us have been learning new ways of doing ministry. Uh, a lot of my sermons have been to my couch and my recliner. I've told my church that uh, I believe my couch is converted, but my recliner seems to be sleeping during my sermons. Uh, preaching has become an act of faith, but that's not all bad. When I was asked if I would be a part of this week of prayer and the focus on prayer, I, I jumped at it. Uh, I'm glad we're going to focus on prayer. So far in quarantine, I've preached on prayer. I've had a few of my quarantine devotionals on prayer. I asked the leadership if I could preach on revival as kind of a foundation and backdrop, and that the rest of this week is going to be about prayer, but prayer is really key in revival. And my desire is that we'll come out of this stronger as a church than we've ever been before. And I just want to give some good news as well as a challenge from God's Word. I've entitled this sermon, Waking the Dead. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, I want to thank you for the opportunity tonight to take a look at your Word. I want to thank you that we can connect, even if it's by technology, even though we cannot be here together in the same place. We are together, Lord, and we are praying. And what I'm asking is that through this week of prayer, this virtual camp meeting, there would be a great revival that would start and let it start in our hearts. For Lord, this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezekiel 37.3, he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live, waking the dead? When I was a little boy, I, I used to love to listen to my great-grandmother, Mima. Um, she was born in the 1880s, a little French woman, way upstate New York, border of Canada, <clears throat> a mountain town, a mining town, and, and I loved spending time with her and my great-grandfather. They raised my mom, actually, so they were my grandparents. And she would tell me these stories of the olden days. And there was one in particular that always I always loved hearing as a child. Um, it, it happened in that community when she was a young lady. So this is going way back. There had been a death in the town, which was not uncommon. Sicknesses would come through and people would die and and this woman who had passed away was loved in that, that mining town. And in those days, there wasn't a funeral home. They would often lay the body out um, in a casket that they would have made, and they would lay, have her there, and then the night before, they would have a wake, and that had happened. And the next day, the, the town would come, and they would gather in the house, around the house, and that's what had been going on. And, and she would tell me about this funeral that she had attended, and and I, I always loved to hear it. She, she was saying that in the middle of this service, the minister was talking there in that front room, and, and people were all crowded in, and he's by the casket, and, he, and he's talking about the hope of the resurrection, and, and he's preaching about the resurrection. And, and at a, a quiet moment where he talks about the resurrection is real, there was a groan, a moan that came from the casket. It was like, oh... And with that groan, the woman lifted some. And when that happened, it just broke out wild in that house. People near the doors, they ran out the doors. People near windows, she said, they opened the windows and they were jumping out. And everybody was exiting that place as quick as they could. And, and they were getting close to God with aerobics as they were running from the place as quick as they could. After a while, 
they made their way back to the house. I, I'm, as a minister, I'm sorry to say that even the pastor, he ran from the house. And she would smile. Her eyes would be twinkling when she'd share this. And they went back in and, and they figured out what had happened. Um, they, she had been uh, in one room and they had moved the casket to the front room. And they hadn't thought about this, but they moved it near those steam radiator heaters in those days. And as the day had gone on, that heat had warmed the casket, had warmed her lungs, and the air had expanded in her lungs. And, and when it expanded, it exhaled. And when it exhaled, she moaned and moved. And when she moved, they moved too. Already showing signs of a twisted sense of humor as a little boy, she and I, we would just laugh and laugh. I, I guess that the people at the funeral were, were talking and thinking about the resurrection. They, they just didn't expect it yet. I, I guess the preacher was talking about the resurrection. He just didn't believe it was going to happen then. It made me think about, it's amazing what happens when the dead move. When uh, my dad was a young theology major at AUC, um, he, he told me when he was alive that when he took homiletics, he had this unique technique about where he would practice. I mean, they were in crowded student housing, and, and if any of you have ever heard my dad, he probably, if he'd been preaching there, he could have knocked out some walls. And, and so, I don't know if it was his homiletics teacher or if, or if it was just his idea, but he would practice preaching in the cemetery, not far from AUC. And, and, and so... I, I think about him in my mind's eye as he described it. He said he would go out there. He said it was quiet, no interruptions. And, and he would put his Bible and his notes on a tombstone. And, and then he would preach as if their lives depended on it. I kind of thought as he would tell me this that, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea. Maybe a lot of young pastors and we, we should have learned out in a cemetery because, frankly, it, it may actually, you know, Prepare us a little for what preaching is going to be like someday. I mean, uh, dead quiet, dead quiet. I imagine the altar calls were tough, but Dad, he was serious about preaching, so he was out there preaching his heart out. I figure that after preaching in the cemetery, anything else must have seemed like success. And so I almost see him there, that young former gang leader, just preaching and preaching away, preaching words of life to a dead audience. Probably is a good idea to do. Well, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as crazy as preaching in the cemetery sounds, that's exactly what God had his prophet do. The book of Ezekiel, I had my Bible with me, but I brought my phone because in this, uh, my eyes, I better be able to see, and I've got it right here with me. I want you to turn with me if you have a Bible or your phone and you're not using it to see this, if you just check out Ezekiel 37, that's where we're going to be anchored tonight. Let's begin with verses 1 through 6. Get a running start here. And this is what the Word of God says. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by around them. Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? 
So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, these bones, these bones will surely, I will cause sinews to come upon them, breath within them, and enter you and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you, bring flesh on you, cover you with skin, put breath in you that you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. The context of this text is that Israel has been spiritually dead for a long time. The bones are many and they are very dry. You don't get dry bones overnight. To get dry bones takes time. I want you to take a look at the scene we find here in Ezekiel 37. I mean, reading these verses is like walking onto an ancient battlefield many years after the war, the fight, the battle, and look around you. They didn't even have time or there was nobody left to bury the bodies. They were left where they fell. And you look across the valley, it is thick with bones. Some are mixed and scattered, probably from wild animals and scavengers over the years. I want you to take a good look because the vision is of the state of Israel, God's children. Here in this God-given vision, here in this God-given passage, Israel is politically dead. They are emotionally dead, but mostly they are spiritually dead. You see, Israel, with its own brain power, had tried to protect itself from Babylon by making a pact with Egypt. I mean, it, it made treaties with Egypt to protect it from Babylon. And if you ask me, that was just asking for defeat. Why on earth would a people that had been given divine revelation by the holy God look to a pagan power to protect it? Not only that, a power that had enslaved it for 400 years. They should have gone to God. It's always been beautiful that when God's children are challenged, when God's children are threatened, when they go to Him in prayer, when they look to Him in prayer, good things happen, miracles happen, life happens. But when we try on our own, we're dead. This passage is just more proof that you could have a stack of Bibles but if you have a layer of dust on them, they will do you no good in the spiritual war we find ourselves in. You can even have a beautiful temple that only 50 of you, if it's a big one, can attend at one time. But if you do not have the Spirit of God, you only have a building of dry bones. I want you to take a look at the bones around this valley. For this is what happens this is what happens when you don't have God, even when you have His name. I want you to look with me and learn, for there's a story here. Here in Ezekiel 37, Jerusalem's been wiped out. The temple has been destroyed and lies in ruins. Many of the Israelites are dead from it, and the others are now slaves in Babylon. 
Babylonian captivity. And I don't know about you, but it sure feels like we've been in a captivity, and I long for God to give us a new life. By the way, while we're here in this Valley of Bones, I'm kind of going to be the guy to please watch your step. Don't kick any of those bones around, because to me, it's a little bit of a crime scene. I guess in some ways, these bones tell a story, and and I could almost like call this SCSI, you know, spiritual crime scene investigation. Because the bottom line is, in the big story, in the great controversy between good and evil, God's children lost this battle. Because they were not living with God, for God. They were not depending on His power. They were spiritually dead. They're dried up. They're as dried up as their dry religion. That's what these dry bones represent. They are spiritually dead. So what you see in Ezekiel 37, as you look around, shouldn't surprise you. I want you to look at this valley. I want you to look at this valley of bones For this is what happens when God's children live without Him. They go to the temple, but they don't really worship. They know some Bible facts, but they live a disconnected life from Christ. These bones tell a story. I want you to take note. Survey these bones. For there is biblical truth here. There is life-saving, life-saving, giving truth here. Fact. Dry bones can't save themselves. You hear me, church, right? Dry bones can't save themselves. Dry bones can't do a thing to save themselves. Without God's initiative, they will remain dead. Without God's mercy and grace, they are dead. Without God's heart of love, they are dead because there is nothing that they can do of themselves. They don't even have the power to come to God. They are dead. So this passage, whether from a book or from your text right here, this passage is about God, His love, His power. You see, this story is about God. It is God's initiative. That is the good news. God was their only hope. So let's take a look because he's our only hope too. This is all about God. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel says. That's God initiated. He brought me by the Spirit and set me down. That's God's initiative. That's his power. He caused me to pass around and through about him. He said, I will cause breath to enter him. That is God's power. That is His spirit, that is His breath. I will put sinews on you. That's God's action. Make flesh to grow upon and cover you. That is God's power. This passage is all about God. It is about our weakness, our need, His ability, His power. Because without a miracle, They are not only dead, they will stay dead. So look closer. 
We're not talking about pagans. You get this? This sad story isn't about pagans. This is about God's children. And without a miracle, they are hopelessly dead. I have a question for you tonight. Do they deserve a miracle? Have they done anything to deserve a miracle? Can they do anything to deserve a miracle? But look, God in His mercy, He speaks to His man. Look, God is going to do something beautiful for His children. Something that they don't deserve. That's called grace. Amazing grace. You've sung about it. It's what we need tonight. See, this text isn't just merely a picture of ancient Israel's condition. The good news is that this text, this passage, is also about the will in the heart of God. And that's a good will. That's a perfect heart of love. Love for His children. Are you with me so far? You can even say it out loud in your house, especially if no one's around. You're with me. The fact here is that God's children are dead. The good news here is that God isn't. God's alive. God is love, and He is powerful, and He has not forgotten His children. And God's grace moves him to move them. That's what I want for us, Washington Conference. That's what I want, church at large. God's grace to move us. He still reaches out and touches his children. He touches one who still has some faith in him here. He, he reaches out and touches one of those children who's still a bit spiritually alive. He, he reaches out by his spirit and he moves on the prophet Ezekiel. And, and by his spirit, he picks Ezekiel up and, and he carries him by the spirit and he sets him down. I mean, talk about contrast. You're caught up in the spirit and then you land in the middle of a dead, dead church. And after taking his servant, on a holy tour in, around, and through, and over the boneyard. He says, preach. Preach to these dry bones. Preach to these spiritually dead. Preach to my children who are so divided. Preach to my children who are dead in all kinds of slavery. Preach to my children who hate each other. Some of these children, they're dead in addiction, so I want you to preach, Ezekiel. Look at all the legalistic bones dry here. I want you to preach. Some of my children, a lot of my children, right out here in this field, they are dead with their dry legalism. They need life. They need the Spirit. Look at all the dry bones, Ezekiel. It's time you preach, prophet. Some of them have died mocking my law. Interesting, isn't it, Ezekiel, that those legalist bones dry there in those, those worldly lawless bones there, they're dry, and they're dead for the same reason, their own idolatry, because it's all about them, and they get to be God. Look at them. Some of them dead in, 
in materialism. There's all kinds of idols that cause some of this death. It's time, Ezekiel, that they hear my word. So preach. Get this. Aren't you glad God never gives up? Ezekiel, they're finally silent. Maybe now they'll hear. I am God, there is no other. I am life, there is no other. Look at all these dry bones, Ezekiel. Tell me, prophet, tell me, preacher. Can these bones live? And I can tell from the next answer there, Ezekiel's been to seminary. Maybe he, he probably at least has an MDiv. Now listen to his answer. How's this for safe? Only you know, Lord. Only you know. That's a good Sabbath school answer, isn't it? Safe. Look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews of the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesy as He commanded me. And breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood they stood an exceeding great army. An exceeding great army. So here I stand before you by way of technology. And this is what the Lord has put on my heart. Far too many of us are dead in the church. We are stuck. Our spiritual lives are stalled out. We keep busy, and, and when we're allowed into the church, we're, we're very active, we're, we're doing things, but, but down deep inside, we're hoping that no one will notice just how dead we are, that the Spirit's power is missing. Hoping no one will notice how dry we are and, and that we have spiritually stopped Breathing. Mm, prayer. What's that? The breath of the soul. But there is hope. God has brought us here to His Word tonight because there is hope. This is a message for such a time as this that God can breathe life into us and God is still able to raise us up into new life. 
Breathe on us, breath of God. Breathe into us, breath of God. Make us more alive than we have ever been in You, Lord. A mighty, loving army, Lord, standing up in Your power. Tonight, He is calling us to life. So even if you're dead, through the Spirit, you hear Him calling. Because when God chooses to speak to the dead, even the dead hear Him. When God speaks to the dead, even the dead hear Him. And He's saying, wake up. It's time to be my child fully alive. Get up. Time to be my church fully alive by my Word and by my Spirit. Rise up and walk. And I'll tell you, I believe there is going to be a rattling in the graveyard because of the prayer and the focus of this week, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us in the covering of skin and breath filling us with new resurrected life in Christ that we will be a church fully alive. For this is His will for us that we would know Him, Jesus Christ, in the power of his resurrection. Lord, we have come together by technology as your children. We have come to a week of prayer where we are going to be serious about it. Lord, we live in a dead and dying world. We live in a hateful world. But Lord, we cannot go forward with dry bones anymore. We cannot save ourselves. We know this, Lord. We cannot do this, Lord, for we are dead. You see us. You still care and you still love. Ah, Jesus. Work the miracle again. Breathe into us, O Lord. Raise us up to new life in You. For I pray this in Your name, Jesus. For Your people's sake. Amen.